I say it all the time, it's always awkward with like talking with music and then just dead silence and no music behind. Music makes everything sound better. Anyways, how are you guys doing, man? Good. I have a, um, have a message for you. I'm, I'm looking around. I don't think there was any um, young kids. I was going to say, um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be talking about some pretty serious topics. So if there's anyone, uh, parents, if you have your, your children here who are under the age of like 10, 11, you may want to sign them into Kids Church. Um, if not, you want them to stay, go ahead and keep them in. Disclaimer. It's like the whole disclaimer at the beginning of movies, but it's like church disclaimer. Anyways, so turn to your neighbor and say, God is calling you home. Then turn to your other neighbor and say, God is calling you home. Find another neighbor and say, God is calling you home. <laughs> Psalm 90 verse 1 says this, Lord, through all generations, you have been our home. So God, on this homecoming Sunday, God is calling you home. How is God calling you home? I am glad that you asked. Thank you so much for asking. So God has been talking to me, or as I was prepping this message, God was talking to me of this truth of him being the God, the source, and the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God who is merciful, who is a merciful Father, a merciful Father, and the source of all comfort. Another translation says, He is the God of all comfort. So when I'm saying that God is calling you home, is God is calling you back to himself as the source of all comfort. See, the word comfort comes from two Latin words. First one is come, which means to be with or to be together or in combination of. The second one is fortified place, stronghold, hold, fortress. So our working definition will be for comfort. It will be a place of fortification or someone that brings you strength. So God's desire is to be your source of all comfort. God's desire in the way that God set it up is to be your stronghold, your fortress. He has that song? It is scripture. The name of the Lord is a strong. Come on, sing it. The righteous run into it, and they are All right. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are Okay, I see that you guys have been church. All right, all right, my church people. So God's desire is for us to run to him as our source of comfort because he knows he's designed us in this way. Wherever we find comfort, we find what, whatever our source of comfort is, is also where we get fortified. We find peace. We find joy. We find all these different things that we need where we find comfort. And God has designed it that way. Hence why he is so jealous of that seat in our lives. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
So his power is made perfect in us when we bring him our weakness, when we go to God to be fortified. He says this in Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Isaiah 51, 12 says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they John 14, 16, the Amplified says this, this is Jesus talking. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. God's desire is to be your source of comfort, your source of strength, your source of joy, your source of peace, your source of all that you need. So on this homecoming, God is calling us back to him as our source. As our source of everything that we need, including comfort. God knows that whatever we find comforting, like I said, we are tied to, we are linked to. We go to this place when we feel weak. We go to this place out of a place of need when we need comfort. So here's a problem, is that we don't always go to God for comfort, right? We don't automatically, for different reasons we're going to talk about it, go to God for fortification. We don't always go to God to find our peace. We don't always go to God to find our joy. So I need your help. Can you guys shout at me? Let me know what are some of the things that we do? Where are some of the places that we go to to find comfort? TV, social media, food, Netflix, work, shopping, your husband, she said, (laughs) sleep, (laughs) anything else, shout at me, vacation, the spa, all these different things. Some of the things that you you guys listed in and of themselves, they are good, but when they become your source of comfort, as we're going to see, it will cause you problems. So I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about me. Um, I said this in first service. It's, every time that the Lord asked me to speak, and he asked me, so I had a message, another message prepped. I was like, okay, I'm going to speak on something else. And he's like, you know what? No, I want to talk. To, I want you to talk about me being the God of all comfort. I'm like, all right, God, cool. He's like, and I want you to talk out of your own life. I'm like, ah. <laughs> and part of it is every time that I do so, you feel vulnerable. Because you're opening up, you're letting people see kind of like what's been going on, what's happened. And, you know, you just kind of, this is kind of weird. But, not weird, it's necessary. But the Lord, often when the Lord does something in someone's life, testifying about it gives strength to somebody else. Right? And hence why he says, hence why he says, we've conquered by the blood of the Lamb and the word of a testimony. So, um... Some of you may know, some of you may not know, but my childhood was kind of rough. Not kind of. Understating, it was rough. My childhood was rough. Um, I left Congo. 
I was born in Congo, left, got here when I was eight. And at eight, I started living with a family member who was extremely abusive. So every kind of abuse. So verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, spiritual abuse. So it was all kinds of abuse. And it was really, really hard on my heart and on my mind um, to go through it. So you can imagine uh, an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old boy having to find himself in the middle of it and having to find comfort in the middle of it. Now, just didn't know because as a child, or the way that the Lord has set it up is that children will find comfort at the hands of those who parent them, right? So if my son is crying, naturally what he'll do, he'll come run into my arms. Dad, I just, I just, I just, and then I'll come, I'll comfort him, and you'll find strength to continue to move on. But when the person that's supposed to comfort you is a person that is abusing you, then you feel like you have no safe place. And at the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, I am in this dilemma where where I'm supposed to find comfort is like where I'm getting abused. And I'm just like, well, I need to find a way to be fortified. So I start having really, really weird habits. I was telling for a service. Um, we used to have, remember, we used to have this couch. And I would open the couch. I started eating sponge. It's really disgusting. And I told my wife this. She goes, ew, well, you used to eat farts. I'm like, yes, yes. It's disgusting. <laughs> But that was my way of comforting me. I started like doing that really weird habit. I was talking to another friend who, anyways, yeah, that was my way of, of, of comforting myself. And then a little, like a year or two into it, the idea of like just ending it all, suicide, started to like, kind of just trickle in my mind. And at first it started as just one little idea. And then it became two and then three, and then I started to meditate on it. And then it wasn't just the what, it was, oh, how would I do it? Like, what would I use? What would people think? You know? And then I started to find comfort in the idea of actually dying. It was just weird. I remember um, this is maybe like two years into like the abuse, three years, um, two years probably. No? Anyways, two years into abuse. Um, I told myself, I'm going to call my father because every young man's hero is his father. If you have a relationship with your father, my, my hero was my father. I was just like, man, this guy. I'm like, I'm going to call my father and he's going to come and save me. So I picked up the phone. And I remember his phone number. And back then, this is like in the 90s, where if you had to make international calls for like 30 seconds, it cost you $50. Like, it was, just, it was just ridiculous. Or you had the phone cards. It was like CC or like Africa or like all these different things. And like, and you had $5 and you had 30 seconds to talk. And everyone understood what you said. So that's, that's what it was. It was like just, just 30 seconds of conversation probably cost $50. Um, or 100 Um So I called my dad. And for some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pretend to be my brother. Um, or I pretend to be my brother's friend. Um, just in case, I don't know, I get in trouble or something, whatever. But I know that my dad is going to recognize my voice. My father will recognize my voice. I pick up the phone and I call and we have this conversation. I have this fake voice going on. I don't know why. And he goes, uh, I'm like, hey, can, my, my brother's name is Valerie. So I'm like, hey, can I please speak to, to Valerie with this fake voice? He's like, uh, I'm at work. I can't talk right now. Bye. Hangs up. Hung up. And at that moment, I knew that I knew that no one was coming for me. 
And I knew that I knew that I did not have any other hope. So the thought of ending it all became my safe place. The thought of ending it all became my comfort. Because at least if I ended it all, I would stop hurting. So like I said, it went from one thought to two thoughts to how would I do it to actually trying it. Thank God I'm still alive. And I remember at the, at the height of it, um, stuff had happened and I was determined to take my life. So I, take, I took a knife from the kitchen. I was like, I'm going I'm to just end it all. And I went to, to my bed and I was about to go to sleep and I would just cry myself to sleep. I would wake up and the knife was away from my body. The next day I would do it over again. I'd wake up. The knife was away from my body, and I would do it over again. I'd wake up. Fast forward about 20 years, I'm at a retreat, I'm a church retreat. I don't know who, who said it, who gave it to me. It's the verse out of Psalm. And it basically says this. It says, the Lord says that he's caught every tear that you've ever cried in his bottle. And he has written every one of your sorrows in his book. And right away, the Lord took me in a vision to the place where I was. And he says, son, I'm the one who comforted you in that moment. And I am the one who took away, literally took away the knife from your hand. Like it wasn't by accident that you fell asleep. It was actually my hand that was there. So even me not knowing how to go to God for comfort, I experienced God's comfort in the middle of my death, in the middle of my pain. So I ended up, not staying in um, that circumstance. And I ended up leaving. And I started living with another family member. I left the environment, but my coping mechanism for my pain didn't really leave with me. So I was still struggling with suicidal ideations. Still in my mind, still a little bit of like, okay, what would it be if I just ended it all? And then at 14, a friend of mine is like, yo, you want to see something? Here's the tape. And gives me a tape it in the tape. And this is when there was still VHS. Um, who knows what a VHS is? <laughs> oh, VHS. Um, there's still a tape. Take the tape, put it in, and lo and behold, it's pornography. And I'm like, oh, this is my new drug. This is my new drug of choice. Because in pornography, I found, again, comfort. This place where... Um, and at the moment, and at the time, it medicated some really deep emotional pain. And I would go to it to feel um, safe. I would go to it to feel loved. I would go to it to feel a sense of joy. I would go to it to feel a sense of peace. And it became my sense of comfort. So just like suicidal thoughts, it started as a seed one off here, one tape. And then it grew into this addiction that was actually controlling me. And it was a slave driver, an absolute slave driver. And my life was starting to be built around this thing. And I hated it. This whole time, I'm in church. I'm loving God. Like, you know, I'm playing. I, I grew up in church. I grew up playing music. I grew up just just doing, doing this. this. This has been... Like another safe place for me. And I knew God and I loved God. 
but I just hadn't encountered him as the God of comfort. Because all I knew was self-medication. All I knew was trying to figure things out on my own and trying to comfort myself. So this thing was presented to me, and it gave me a quick fix, and I took it. And before I knew it, it was running my life, and it was running me, and I hated it. Long story short, after a few years of addiction, um, I just knew that I just couldn't continue to live life like this. And it was stealing, pornography was stealing my strength. It's like this double-edged sword. It's like it brings you comfort. It's like a temporary high that drops you right away. And then for you to get the high again, you have to watch more, and then it drops you. And then you have to watch more, and then it drops you. And then you have to, and before you know it, like I said, your time is consumed, your money is consumed, your attention is consumed. You don't know how to build relationships properly. You don't know how to do certain things properly because you are bound to this thing. I was bound to this thing. So I hated it. I hated being bound to this thing. And I got serious about it because I knew that sexual sin doesn't just, um, it may start off as a secret sin. It's something that no one knows, but before you know it, it starts to seep in to every area of your life and affect every relationship that you have. It starts to affect work. It starts to affect your health. It starts to affect your finances. It starts to affect everything. And I knew that the enemy was coming for me. So I had to get serious about it. So long story short, and because we don't have a lot of time, um, I'm just going to say, like, I put in place certain things. Um, I cried out. First, first and foremost, I cried out to God. First and foremost. Because I was like, God, I hate this. I don't want to do this. But for a long time, this has been a source of comfort for me. How do I change? And over a period of time, the Lord started to answer those, that prayer. And started to give me like the strength to change. And it was at times one foot forward, two, two, one step forward, two steps back, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Until I got to a place about 10 years ago where he totally freed me from pornography. Totally freed me from, from suicidal thoughts. Praise God. So on the side, on the side, the stats are this. That about 90% of, I think it's Christian men. About 90% of Christian men. And the stats are not equally, but closely, like almost as high for Christian women, struggle with pornography. So there's absolutely no, like the reason why I'm sharing so openly is because I find like we don't often talk about it, but a lot of people struggle with it. And it is this thing that just wraps itself around the believer and stops you from loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. And if you are in this place and this is a secret struggle, please find help. And I am one that can help or find a trusted person who would be able, in the same way that I've had to do, who would be able to walk you through your freedom. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set you free and not for you to be bound So, like I said, 10 years free, praise God. Um, top of this year, 
I'm like, you know, or I'll say this. During those 10 years, I'm not watching anything. And the thoughts, sometimes suicidal thoughts would come, but I wouldn't meditate on them. They weren't my safe place anymore. Sometimes I would be tempted to watch the wrong thing, but I would say no. I would stand against temptation. So I'm doing well. I'm growing. Family man, my wife, my kids, pastoring, everything seems to be, you know, I'm one foot in front of the other. So top of the year, um, I started getting like chest pains. I'm like, oh, this is weird. And I ignored it because I thought it was, had to do with asthma. It had to do with whatever, my health. Because what, the reason why I left Congo is because I had really bad asthma. So I end up at the doctor's office um, for, with a friend. Um, and it wasn't my appointment. And the office administrator is also a friend of mine. I tell her, hey, you know what? I'm just having these chest pains. And she's like, um, when was your last met, like physical? And I was like, uh, I think like two years ago. She's like, <sighs> so she's like, okay, here's a form. Go get your blood test done. And then um, we'll do a physical. So I booked a physical on March 29th, which was the day before my birthday. So I get the blood test done. I walk into the, on uh, March 29th, walk into the, the doctor's office, and her face just looked like a combination of anger, disappointment, dread. And like, I was like, oh no, I'm thinking, like, yo, do I have cancer? What's happening? So I'm like, okay, God, what's happening? So she looks at me, she goes, you failed your test miserably. I'm like, okay. She looks at, she, she explains my results. My blood sugar levels were like really high. My blood pressure was really high. Um, <laughs> I joke, and she looked at me, she goes, you're fat. I'm like, I'm not fat. She goes, you're fat. I'm like, I'm not fat. She goes, no, you're obese. I'm like, I'm not obese. It's muscle. She goes, no, it's not. I saw you with your shirt off. You're round. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she did say, she said that. <laughs> I saw you with your shirt off, you're round. I'm like, ah. So, so she looks at me, she goes, okay, sir, so you are pre-diabetic, which then means that if you continue to live the life that you are living, in the next five years, you're increasing your chances of dying by like two, three, four percent, something like that. At that point, it felt like everything just faded to black because all I'm thinking about is like my children, like leaving my children. I'm like, man, I don't want that to happen. Like leaving my wife, I'm like, I can't leave my friends, and so on and so forth. I'm like, I'm super young. I'm like, there's so much life that's ahead of me. So she's talking, she's saying this. So I repent. I'm like, God, I repent for treating my body the way that I did. And that changed my habits, my eating habits, decided to, to start going to the gym, move my body. I knew, I, knew, I knew what to do. I just wasn't doing it. And the Lord whispered something to me in that process and said, Samuel, let me tell you something. Every time you go to something that isn't me for comfort, it will lead you to death. And I realized that my source of comfort stopped being suicidal thoughts. It stopped being pornography, but it was food. And I would go to this thing for comfort. And you know, it's, it's, it creeps up on you because you're like, well, it's not sin. I'm not hurting anybody. It's just a chocolate bar. It's just, you know, it's just an extra burger. It's just an extra pop. It's just this, you know what? I feel super stressed. Let me grab some ice cream. How about I get two ice creams and five chocolate chips and I'm going to finish that whole box before you know it. And some of you are laughing and you're nodding and you know exactly what I mean. You stress eat when you're eating. 
But the, the thing that is wrong with that is we start to go to these things as our source of comfort. And as we do, it will lead us to death. Right? So you go from, I went from suicidal thoughts to pornography to food, and all three led to death. And the reason why they led to death is because it just wasn't God. He wasn't the source of comfort. And hence why he is so jealous for that place in your life. See, Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, the gift of God in comfort, in giving us comfort, in strengthening us, is life. And eternal life doesn't just start when you die. It starts when you accept Jesus. It is life. Life to the fullness, abundant life. But the wages of not doing things God's way is death. So this afternoon, my dear friends, God is calling you home. God is calling you to make his comfort your home. God is calling you to make him your source of all comfort. Now, why do we not go to God for comfort? I'm glad you asked. See, part of the reason why we don't go to God for comfort is because we don't actually believe who, what he says about himself. So if you take me back, 8, 9, 10, and I'm at the house of the family member who was abusive, if he were to try to bring comfort, what would come up in my heart would be fear. Because I've experienced so much pain at his hand. Right? So if he's like, come, I'll, I'll comfort you. I'd be like, no, you won't because you've had a history of inflicting, inflicting pain. But you flipped that around. If I were in a place where it was a loving environment, a safe environment, and the adult in my life was like, hey, come, I'll bring comfort, I would run in their arms to their arms. And the reason why I'm saying this is this, is because a lot of us actually believe the wrong things about God. And hence why we self-medicate. We don't believe that God will be the one who, who will be gentle with us. We don't believe God to be kind. We don't believe God's love to be, like, unconditional. We don't believe, or, either we don't believe, or we actually don't know what he says about himself. And in both of those cases, it leaves us with the wrong mindset about God. And hence why the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the way that we change the way that we view God is by being transformed, by, ch by changing what you think and what you believe about God. And then you'll find yourself even more at ease being able to go to God for comfort. So what does God comfort look like? Number one, it is undeserved. 
God's comfort is undeserved. It isn't because of what we do, but it is soul, it solely hinges on him. He is the God of all comfort. It is his nature to be a God of comfort. It is his nature to be the source of comfort. It isn't because of what we do or don't do that he brings comfort, that he is comfort. It is his nature. Number two. God's comfort is ever-present. God's comfort is constant, unwavering. His promises is, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. In times of joy and sorrow, in moments of victory and defeat, God's comfort is constantly with us. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge, our strength, and an ever-present help in times of trouble. God's comfort doesn't leave. It is ever-present. He promises to be with you. Number three, God's comfort is trans transformative. God's comfort has a power to transform our lives. It can bring growth, resilience, and deepen faith, even in the midst of trials. Rather than merely soothing our immediate pain, it can lead to profound personal growth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all, with whom un with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, when we run to God, when we come home to God for comfort, he doesn't just numb the pain, but he transforms us. See, every other comfort numbs. Every other comfort numbs. And it is temporary. But God promises that as we run to him, and as we look to him, and as we meditate on him, to transform us, to take us from glory to glory. So it isn't this thing of, you know, you watch stuff to forget about your pain. You drink stuff to forget about your pain. You smoke stuff to forget about your pain. You touch stuff to forget about your pain. Temporary. But God's comfort, God's way, is to actually transform you and to change you from the inside out. God's comfort is personal. God's comfort is tailored to your unique needs and situation. He knows us intimately and offers comfort that precisely addresses our concerns. Just as a loving parent knows how to comfort each, and their, each of their children uniquely, God's comfort is personalized to meet us where we are. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 3 says this, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. God knows you. His thoughts towards you outnumber the sand of the seashore. He knit you together in your mother's womb. So when he comes to bring you comfort, it is a, it is, God's comfort isn't a one-size-fit-all. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what to say to you. He knows you by name. The Bible says that he knows the number of hair that you have on your head. So when he approaches you, he approaches you as a loving father who knows you. And when he says, come to me, he's not just saying, you over there come to me. But he knows you. 
And he has personalized, he has made a personal plan for you to bring you comfort, to strengthen you, to bring you into a place of peace, to bring you into a place of joy, to bring you into a place of what you need. Number five, God's comfort is boundless. God comforts, knows no bounds. It is all-encompassing and limitless, providing solace in time of turmoil. There's no situation, no matter how dire, where God's comfort cannot reach and bring solace. Number six, it reveals his character. God's comfort reveals his loving, compassionate, and faithful nature. It reflects his deep care for his children. When we experience his comfort, we catch a glimpse of the depth of his love. Ooh. God's comfort reveals his character. God's comfort reveals his character. God's comfort reveals his love for you. God's comfort reveals the tenderness that he has towards you. God's comfort reveals the mercy that he has towards you. God's comfort reveals his thoughts towards you. God's comfort reveals his intentions towards you. It is when we make our home in God that we hear what he says over us. It is when we make our home in God that we hear his thoughts towards us. It is when we make our home in God is when we hear what he really says about us. But if we fail to go to God for comfort, if we fail to go to God and make our, our, our home in God, then we are left with our own thoughts about ourselves. Then we are left with our own opinions about ourselves. And let me tell you, without God's opinion about me superimposed on my mind, the enemy has a field day with me. A field day. And it is in this place of safety in God that your mind is renewed. It is in this place of fortification, of comfort in God that your mind is renewed where he speaks the words of love to you. And lastly, God's comfort is an invitation. God's comfort invites, invites us to draw near to him, deepen our relationship, and find rest in his presence. It is an open invitation to seek God in our times of need and experience the peace that comes from knowing him intimately. See, the reason why God is so jealous for the throne of comforts in your life because he knows that whoever sits on that throne or whatever sits on that throne, you are drawn to that person, to that thing for intimacy. You are intimately acquainted with that thing. And God is jealous. Jealous for your heart. God is jealous for intimacy with you. God wants to know you. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know how much he cares for you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you not just to read about, you know, the God of all comfort, the God of love. He wants you not just to watch the passion of the Christ or to read your Bible and to see all these words that are written, but God wants you to experience his loving kindness. God wants you to experience his comfort. God wants you to experience his kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. And that is found when you make your home in God. That is found when God becomes your source of comfort. 
So if Mike can come back. So this afternoon, I want to give us an opportunity. See, part of the reason why I shared so openly for my life is because I want to break the back of shame. I want to break the back of shame. <laughs> and I know that in the middle of my sharing, there's a lot of people who are holding their breath. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> God sees you. Absolutely. God knows you. Absolutely. <laughs> God sees you in your sin absolutely does. God sees your mistakes. He absolutely does. God sees when you mess up. He does. But yet he still loves you. But yet he still is extending an invitation for you this afternoon and say, come my child and make your home in me. Come my child. And choose to make me the source of all your comfort. Come, my child, and be fortified in me. Now, the Father says that I am your good Father. And I'm the one who, have, who has always loved you. And I am the one who loves you with an everlasting love. And I've been misrepresented. And it breaks my heart to know that you've believed the wrong things about me. But if you were to make your home in me, says God, I will prove to you that I am who I say I am. I am that I am, that I am, that I am, says God. I am your comforter. I am the one that will give you peace that surpasses your understanding. I am the one that will give you unexplainable joy. Just make me your home, says God. All these other things will fail you. All these other things will cause you to die and will rob you of life and it may seem enjoyable now says God it may seem like your only option says God you may not know another way says God but can I show you another way can you please trust me with your heart so all eyes bowed <laughs> all eyes closed and head bowed <laughs> eyes closed and head bowed. I want to give us an opportunity right now. First opportunity I want to give us is to, is to ask the Holy Spirit to search our heart. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 139, the Passion Translation, verse 24, and it says, God, search me and know me and let me know if I'm walking on any pathway of pain. So can we take this opportunity to ask God, God, search my heart. God, search my heart and let me know 
if something else or someone else is sitting on the throne of comfort in my life. If I've gone to other things as opposed to you as the source of comfort, as my place of fortification. just in this moment I want you to invite Holy Spirit as you've as you've repented if you haven't repented repent but as you repent I want you to invite Holy Spirit also and say God I want you to take the throne of comfort in my life God I want you to be the source my source of all comfort. Come on, church, just in your own words, just open up your mouth. Start talking to your God. Come on, church. God, we desire for you to be the source of all comfort. God, we remove everything, Father. Big and small, Father that has occupied the throne of comfort, Father, in our lives, God. God, we invite you to be Lord. Lord in this area of our lives, God. We surrender. We surrender, Father, to you. And we trust you, God, with our hearts. We trust you, Father, with our hearts, God. God, we believe you when you say you are the gentle one. We believe you when, you're, when you say you are the kind one. We believe you, God, when you say that you are the merciful one. We believe you, God, when you, when you say, Father, that your love is unconditional. God, we believe you. So we run into your arms, God. Father, as children, we run into your arms and we make our home in you, Jesus. We make our home in you, Jesus. Alright, so this is what the Spirit of the Lord is doing right now. First thing is, He is breaking the back of death, the spirit of death. And there are some of you who came in here, um, came with a dark cloud over your head. And that's the reason why I shared so openly. Um, from my life and some of you it's been really really dark so a suicide has been a, a friend it's almost like you call it a friend to you. a safe place like it was and a place of escape and you flirted with this thing over and over and over again some of you actually who actually see um, at least one of you writing a letter or writing a plan or it's, it's like a, a goodbye letter or something like that it's actually pretty like you're pretty close to the line 
And the Lord wants to break the back of death. And the Lord wants to heal you from this and wants to teach you to go to him for comfort. That's the first thing. The second thing is God is breaking the back of cyclical sin and addictive behavior. And the things that came to me was we talked about pornography. There is alcoholism and there is drug abuse. Those three things. If there's other things, the Lord is here and he is present. If you find yourself struggling with stuff. So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite Pastor Brendan to come and, and, and wrap up. And we're going to close. But after we close, if what I said resonated with you, I want to invite you to the front. We're going to have some leaders who will pray with you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to pray with you. Because I believe that the Lord is here as a deliverer. I believe that the Lord is here as a strong man. And I believe that there is the force of God, the force of God's love here to set you free. The force of God's love is here. No, no, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. The force of God's love is present to set you free. I'm going to say it again. The force of God's love is here to set you free. So I'm going to speak to this hopelessness that's trying to rear its ugly head that says that you will never get free, that says that you will always struggle with it. You be quiet right now in the name of Jesus because the love of God is present. The power of God is present to set the children of God free. It is for freedom that he set us free. It is for freedom that he died on the cross. He shed his blood for moments like this. And right now, this evening, the children of God will be set free free. So if that is you, and you know that you are struggling, know that your moment is now, and it is today. Amen. Wasn't that a good word today? Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We got several moving pieces happening as we close. I do just sense really a strong sense of the presence of God. So I want to kind of move very, uh, in a very sensitive line with that. Just several things we want to remind you of as you go today. Obviously, guests, please go to the Get Connected table. We'd love to meet you and say thank you for joining with us. Secondly, just a reminder, we've got that early morning prayer this coming Wednesday, 6 a.m., this coming Friday, our Limitless Student Ministries have their fall kickoff. I know they would love to see you there for that. And then just get on our email list because there's so many other things that are coming up and happening in the fall. We also do want to say thank you and acknowledge all the people who sow and give here at Toronto City Church on a weekly basis. What you experience, all that we happens, happens because people are sowing and people are giving and people are investing. So thank you to everyone who does. And if you've not yet experienced the blessing that comes with sowing and giving into God's kingdom, why not let this be your starting point? Why not let this fall be your starting point in doing that? So we really want to encourage you in that as well. Uh, as you go out today, we want you to know as well, just being homecoming Sunday, we've got some jumping castles for the kids. We've got some snacks and some treats for everybody. So feel free just to hang out a little bit and just to have some fun. So, you know, Pastor Samuel just finished convicting us all about food, and we're giving you a bunch of junk food. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Maybe next time we'll get his message in advance and give you all healthy food as we close. Excess. Oh, excess. Okay, thank you. Excess. All right. So I know, I know it was just me that got a little convicted in that part of the message, but we won't go there right now. So seriously, we do want to finish things off today as we go. So feel free to hang out, have fun, connect with family. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Obviously, packed house. We've got a little bit more space in first. So 
If, if you don't mind which one you go to just in the season, because I feel like the girl's going to continue just to make that, you can always, there's just some extra room at nine if that works for you. If 1130 works, keep coming to 1130. We don't want to push that. But let's just pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this day. Thank you for just this amazing word that, that encouraged and challenged and built us up and just empowered us in so many ways through the power of your spirit. And so I pray that we will not just be hearers of this word, but we will be doers. Thank you that we will walk this out. Thank you for all that you're doing in this season of the upper room, us gathering on Wednesday, continue to press in and seek you for what's going to happen with our students on Friday night. And just when we get to gather again next week, I pray blessing over every person that's here, blessing over every person that's tuning in online. Thank you for your work in their life and all they're doing. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So... We are dismissed. I'm going to ask if connection leaders and some of our other leaders can come to the front, please. If what Pastor Samuel said and your heart was stirred, you need prayer, you need ministry, he'll be here. We've got a bunch of our team that are here. Take the extra few moments. Come forward for prayer. Come let God just minister to you and work in your life. And so we love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. And again, if we can keep our conversations in many ways to the outside, and just so this can be a place of prayer and a place of people seeking God. And finally, congratulations to both of the baby dedications as well and to the families and friends who joined us. It was an honor to have you here today. God bless.